In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Do not labour for the food which perishes, but for that which endures to eternal life. Who is the one who prepares the Blessed Eucharist for us and gives our Lord to us? It is the priest. If there were no priests, there would be no holy sacrifice of the Mass, no holy communion, and no real presence of our Lord in the tabernacle. And who is this priest? Well, St. Paul says to Timothy, he is the man of God. It is God alone who chooses him and calls him from among men for a very, very special task. St. Paul to the Hebrews says, no man takes the honour to himself. He takes it who is called by God as Aaron was. God sets him apart from everyone else. St. Paul says to preach the gospel of God. He also says that God signs him with a sacred character that will endure forever, making him a priest forever and bestowing on him the supernatural powers of the ministerial priesthood so that he is consecrated exclusively for the things of God. St. Paul says to the Hebrews, the priest being taken from among men is ordained for men in the things that pertain to God, that he may offer up gifts and sacrifices for sins. And so by his ordination, the priest is consecrated in soul and body. He becomes a being totally sacred, likened to the divine priest Jesus. The priest in the ministerial priesthood is thereby a true extension of Jesus, sharing in our Lord's vocation and mission. He fills our Lord's role in the most important works of universal redemption, namely the divine worship and the spread of the gospel. The most important function that a priest has to do every day is to say mass. And in his own life, he's called to reproduce completely the life of Jesus the life of the one who was a virgin, of the one who was poor, of the one who was crucified. And it's by making himself like Jesus that he is a minister of Christ Jesus among the Gentiles, says St. Paul. A guide and instructor of souls, we're told in St. Matthew. If all the baptized faithful by their baptism 
are called to participate in the common or universal priesthood of the faithful, which is the basis of the universal call to holiness, well then, in the ministerial priesthood, priests are called with a particular obligation to be holy. St. Gregory of Nyssa wrote, one who yesterday was one of the people, becomes their master, their superior, a teacher of sacred things, and leader in the sacred mysteries. And all this happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. St. John Chrysostom says, it is not a man or an angel, nor an archangel, nor any created power. But it is the Holy Spirit who bestows the priesthood on a person. The Holy Spirit, he says, makes the priest's soul a likeness of Jesus. It empowers the priest to fill the role of Jesus so that the priest at the altar acts in the same person of Jesus. And so it's not surprising that some saints have called the priestly dignity as being heavenly or divine or infinite lovingly venerated by the very angels. So great that when the priest conducts the divine sacrifice, angels station themselves about him, and in a choir they chant a hymn of praise in honour of the victim who is sacrificed, as St. John Chrysostom. And this happens, this happens at every Mass. Sometimes we may hear people saying that was a beautiful Mass, or that was a great Mass, and sometimes people refer to the singing or the communitarian aspect or other things. But we have to remind them that the Mass is always great. Even if you have a 103-year-old priest celebrating Mass for one person who is 104 and deaf, well, that Mass is still great. All these wonderful things happen at every Mass. It's not the external, physical, material things that make the Mass great, but the transubstantiation, the coming down of our Lord onto the altar, and Christ offering himself to his heavenly Father, as he did on Calvary. St. Francis of Assisi was unwilling to become a priest, because he considered himself unworthy of such a high vocation. He honoured priests with special reverence, considering them his lords, because in them he saw the Son of God. His love for the Eucharist blended with his love for the priest, who consecrates and administers the body and blood of Jesus. And he paid special veneration to the hands of the priest, which kneeling he used to always kiss very devoutly. In some European countries, after the ordination of the first mass of the priest, there's a ceremony of the kissing of the hands. And so the faithful come up precisely to kiss the hands of the priest. St. John Bosco says, I urge you to have the highest respect for priests. Take off your hats as a sign of reverence when you speak with them or meet them in the street. 
and kiss their hands respectfully. Keep especially from showing contempt for them in word or deed. Whoever does not respect these sacred ministers should fear a great punishment from the Lord. The veneration of the consecrated hands of the priest well, has always existed in the church. During the persecutions of the first centuries, there was a particular cruelty that was practiced in particular on bishops and priests, which consisted in cutting off their hands so that they could no longer perform the consecration or give blessings. And Christians used to search out those amputated hands and treat them with spices and preserve them as relics. The kissing of the priest's hands is also a delicate expression of faith and love for Jesus, whom the priest represents. In the Eucharistic prayer number one, it talks about the holy and venerable hands in which our Lord lovingly makes himself present every day. St. Augustine says, Oh, the venerable dignity of the priest, in whose hands the Son of God becomes incarnate, as he did in the virgin's womb. In the last 20 or so, 30 years, John Paul II, during his pontificate, wrote or published something like five long documents on the priesthood. Very beautiful documents, they're all on the internet. As though stating the sort of priest that the church wants for the 21st century. The Holy Curie of Ours said we attach great value to objects that are handed down and kept at Loretto, as the Holy Virgin's porridge bowl and that of the child Jesus. But the priest's fingers, which have touched the adorable body of Jesus Christ, which have been put into the chalice where his blood was, and into the ciborium where his body was, might anything be more precious than those fingers? Perhaps we haven't thought of it before, but it's, it's quite so. And so the, the saints emphasize this point. There was a certain queen, St. Hedwig, who used to attend masses every morning in the chapel of the court, showing herself very grateful and reverent towards the priest who had celebrated mass. She used to offer them hospitality, kiss their hands devoutly, see that they were fed and show them every honour. She would show deep feeling when exclaiming, God bless the one who made Jesus come down from heaven and gave him to me. The stories of the Catholic persecution in England are very moving. When you hear how some Catholics risked their lives to shelter priests who were going around the countryside celebrating masses for people who wanted at great risk to their lives also. In many countries where there was persecution, 
similar things happened. And so we should keep alive this, this respect and veneration, this supernatural outlook of looking at those who are dispensers of the graces of God, as St. Paul says. So the faith of the saints was something that was truly great and produced great results. St. Paul says the saints lived by faith. They acted on a faith and a love that showed no limits when dealing with our Lord. St. Francis of Assisi said, in priests I see the Son of God. Every time I see a priest at the Holy Curie of ours, I think of Jesus. When St. Mary Magdalene da Pazzi referred to priests, she referred to him as this Jesus. Similar things come from St. Catherine of Siena, St. Teresa of Avila. The Curie of ours used to say, if I met a priest and an angel, I would first pay my respects to the priests and then to the angel. If it were not for the priest, he said, the passion and death of Jesus would not be of any help to us. What good would a chest full of gold be if there was no one to open it? The priest has the key to the heavenly treasures. Who causes our Lord to come down into the white hosts? Who puts our Lord in our tabernacles? Who gives Jesus to our souls? Who purifies our hearts so that we can receive Jesus? It is the priest and only the priest. He is the one, foretold in the Hebrews, who serves the tabernacle, who has the ministry of reconciliation, says St. Paul, who is for you a minister of Jesus Christ, a dispenser of the mysteries of God. Many instances there are of heroic priests sacrificing themselves in order to give Jesus to their flock. A number of years ago in a parish in Brittany in France, an old priest was lying on his deathbed. At that time, one of his parishioners was also nearing the end of his life. One who was among those who had strayed from God and from the church. The pastor was distressed because he could not get up and go to him. So he sent the assistant priest to him, suggesting to him to remind the dying man that once he had promised that parish priest that he would not die without the sacraments. The parishioner, hearing this, excused himself with the words, that promise I made to the parish priest, not to you. The assistant priest could do nothing but leave the dying man and report his answer to the parish priest. The parish priest was not discouraged, and though he realised that he himself had only a few hours left, he arranged to be carried to the home of the sinner. He was brought into the house and succeeded in hearing the dying man's confession and gave him our Lord in Holy Communion. And then he said to him, farewell, till we meet in paradise. The courageous parish priest was carried back to his rectory on a stretcher. And when he arrived, 
The covers over him were raised, but the priest did not move. He had already passed away. There are many such stories. Priests are the bearers of life, mediators of salvation between our Lord and souls. Where priests are lacking, the spiritual and moral condition of a people declines. Where there is no response to the priestly or missionary vocations, there will be lacking multipliers of Jesus, as St. Peter or Julian Amard used to say. And faith weakens or never matures. It happened on one occasion <clears throat> that the leader of a Japanese tribe, tribe, now St. Francis Xavier, he asked him immediately after a sermon on the love of God for men, how come God, if he is so good as you say he is, has waited so long before making Christianity known to us? Do you want to know why? Replied St. Francis Xavier, here is why. God had inspired many Christians to come and announce to you the good news. But many of them have not wanted to heed his call. Worthy priests give to every church its stability and fruitfulness. One writer said that every true church has for its foundation holy priests. For its columns, holy priests. For its lamp, a holy priest. On its pulpit, a holy priest. At the altar, a holy priest. Altar Christus. And so we should try and be grateful to the priest because he brings us our Lord. And St. Josemaria used to encourage people in particular to pray for the fulfillment of the lofty mission of the priest, which is the mission of Jesus. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And so we could ask ourselves if there is some occasion each week or each day where we pray for priests. One particular moment could be after we receive the sacrament of confession, to repeat the penance that we were given for the holiness of that priest who heard your confession. I often like to think of the story that Pope Francis tells us of how he was going to a party or something some evening when he was 16 and he dropped by the church just to make a little visit for a moment and there was a priest hearing confessions and he went into confession and he said, that confession changed my life. It was there that I decided to become a priest. Very beautiful story. I often think about that particular priest who was in that confession at that particular point in time. It might have been a Saturday evening. The final of the Champions League might have been playing. He might not have felt good. He might have been there for a couple of hours with nobody coming. But then a soul comes in that's going to have an impact on a global level. And because that priest was there, Pope Francis lived to tell the story of that priest fulfilling his mission. 
And that's why we have to pray for all priests, that they might be where they should be at the right point in time, that they might dispense the sacraments where and when as God, as God wants them to be, fulfilling their priesthood on a daily basis and living out the mission of Jesus. The priest, I'm told in the Hebrews, is likened unto the Son of God. The curie of ours used to say that only in heaven will he be able to measure his greatness. And if he were to understand it already here on earth, he would die, not of fright, but of love. After God, the priest is all. And that's why St. Maria wanted us to pray for priests. And he indicated three specific days in the year to pray especially for priests. June 25, the anniversary of the ordination of the first three priests. The August 4, the feast of the Curie of Ours. And Holy Thursday, the institution of the priesthood. That sublime grandeur brings with it an enormous responsibility which weighs upon the human nature of the priest. A human nature fully identical with that of every man. A person told me once in another country, sometimes priests forget that they're human. Pray for priests so that they remember that they're human, that they absorb all the formation that they're given in a very deep way. Pray also for seminarians, and for the great work of formation of seminarians and of future priests in the 21st century, for all those ideas that John Paul II and Pope Benedict and Pope Francis have placed in their encyclicals about how they would like the priesthood for the next century to be. And also pray for that important aspect of priestly formation that St. John Paul talked about, which is the ongoing formation of priests. So that they get reminded and go deeper in all the basic points that they have learned at an earlier age. The priest says St. Bernard, by nature, is like all other men. By dignity, he surpasses every other man on earth. By his conduct, he ought to imitate the angels. Another writer says the divine calling, a sublime mission, an angelic life, a very high dignity, what immense burdens, all on poor human flesh. The priesthood can be a cross and a martyrdom. And so there are heavy responsibilities for the salvation of souls that are laid upon the priest. He's to try and bring faith to non-believers, to convert sinners, to give fervor to the lukewarm, to stimulate the good to become even better, and to encourage the saintly to walk along the heights of perfection. And the priest cannot give what he does not have. And so the most important thing is that he takes care of his own spiritual life, that he be truly one with Jesus. Padre Pierre used to say, the priest is either a saint or a devil. He either moves souls to holiness or to ruin. What incalculable ruin does the priest not bring 
who profanes his vocation by unworthy conduct or worse, who tramples on it, renouncing his consecrated state as one chosen by our Lord. And St. John Bosco says, a priest either in paradise or in hell never goes alone. With him always go a great number of souls who are either saved by his holy ministry and good example or are lost through his negligence in the fulfillment of his duties and by his bad example. In the canonical proceedings for the canonization of St. John Mary Vianney, you can read that the Holy Curie of Irish shed many tears as he thought of the ruin of priests who do not correspond to the holiness of their vocation. Padre Pio described heart-rending visions of the frightful pains that Jesus suffered for the guilt of unworthy and unfaithful priests. So hence the importance of praying for priests and for their holiness. St. Teresa Vizio, just before she died, she made her last communion to obtain the return of a stray priest who had renounced his vocation. And that priest died repentant, invoking our Lord. Many souls have offered themselves as victims on behalf of priests. And those souls must be favoured by our Lord in a singular way. And so we pray on those special days for priests, for those in danger, for, and also for those who stand more firmly and securely, for those who may be straying, and for those who are already advanced in perfection. Unfortunately, people may tend to readily to criticize the defects of priests, but it's not so common that they pray for them. And if you have the opportunity to help a priest to get to his yearly retreat, especially diocesan priests, and in developing countries, often they don't have the means, they need a lot of support. Well, that's a great work of charity and of evangelization. You help a priest to be more holy, to grow in his formation and his sanctity, to redounds to the benefit, obviously, of the whole parish and of the whole diocese. One famous Swiss saint used to talk about anyone too ready to point out the faults of priests. He would say, and you, how many times have you prayed for the sanctity of priests? What have you done to obtain good vocations for the church? A spiritual daughter, Padre Pio, accused herself in confession of having criticized some priests for their less than worthy behavior I heard Padre Pio forcefully and decisively reply, instead of criticizing them, think of praying for them. And so every time we see a priest at the altar, we could pray to Our Lady for that priest. One particular saint used to say, oh, my dear lady, lend your heart to that priest, so that he can worthily celebrate the Mass. St. Therese de Vizieux used to pray that, that at the altar, priests may touch the most holy body of Jesus. 
with the same delicacy, refinement, and purity as Our Lady. Said that Saint Cajetan used to prepare to celebrate Mass by uniting himself so closely, so closely to Our Lady, that it was said of him that he celebrates Mass as if he were her. Our Lady welcomed Jesus into her arms in Bethlehem. Similarly, the priest receives Jesus into his hands at the Holy Mass. As Our Lady offered Jesus the victim on Calvary, similarly, the priest offers the divine lamb that is sacrificed on the altar. As the Virgin Mother gave Jesus to mankind, Similarly, the priest gives us Jesus in Holy Communion. And so St. Bonaventure says that every priest of the altar ought to be intimately united, identified with Our Lady. For it was by her that this most holy body has been given to us. So by the priest's hands it must be offered. And St. Francis of Assisi said that for all priests, our Lady is the mirror of reflecting the sanctity which should be theirs, precisely because of the close proximity between the incarnation of the Word in Mary's womb and the consecration of the Eucharist in the priest's hands. And in the forge, number 70, St. Josemaria says, try to give thanks to Jesus in the Eucharist by singing the praises of Our Lady. A virgin most pure, without stain, who brought forth the Lord into this world. And with childlike daring, say to Jesus, my dearest love, blessed be the mother who brought you into this world. And in 542, he says, the gospel tells us that Jesus hid himself when they wanted to make him king after he had worked the miracle. Lord, you make us share in the miracle of the Eucharist. We beg you not to hide away. Live with us. May we see you, may we touch you, may we feel you. May we want to be beside you all the time and have you as the king of our lives and of our work. And so we could ask Our Lady, Mother of Priests, to help us to pray more for the holiness of priests all over the world. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>